درود به مردم شریف ایران من شهریار افشار هستم میزبان شما در برنامه پالیتیکس 365 هر هفته ما یک گفتگوی جدید با شخصیت های برجسته سیاست، حقوق، حقوق بشر، تجارت، تکنولوژی و اکتیویست های فعال در سراسر دنیا به توجه شما میرسونیم اگر مایل هستیم ما خوشحال میشیم پیامتون رو دریافت کنیم با تماس با 858-444-6506 یا info at politics365.com با امید ایران آزاد بریم دنبال برامه این خوش آمدین شنوندگان عزیز به پالیتیکس 365 امروز یک مهمان خیلی برجسته یک کاندید برای رئیس جمهوری آمریکا به برنامه من پیوسته آقای استیو لافی یه ریپابلیکن از ایالت رود آیلند اکثر این برنامه به انگلیسی تهیه شده اما اول برنامه میخواستم ایشونو معرفی کنم بعد میریم به سوالایی که برایشون داریم به انگلیسی و آخر برنامه دوباره برمیگردیم به فارسی که تا اونجایی که میتونم یه جنبندی خیلی مختصری از سخنایشون بکنم پس بریم دنبال برنامه امروز مستر استیو لافی ویلکم تو پالیتیکس 365 سچ ا گریت آنر تو هاو یو هیر ریلی اور کمیونیتی از کانستنتلی اینترستد ان Uh, not only Iranian politics, but American politics. A lot of us, as you said, we live here since 79. Uh, there are city council members that are Iranian. There are uh, quasi-Iranian-American members of Congress. Um, very, very involved in uh, Democratic and um, Republican politics across the country. Of course, mostly in California, but also in the East, on the East Coast. So uh, when I came across your candidacy and I recognized you're a, a former mayor of city in uh, Rhode Island, uh, I really wanted to get you on a program to not only ask you about your candidacy, uh, but also really what's happening, I think, as I've seen you write about it to the Republican Party uh, and what you see going forward as your best attributes for your candidacy. And of course, your opinions and feelings and um, insights about Iran and what's going on in Iran. So with that, please tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and we'll get into your candidacy right after. Thank you so much. Well, it's such an honor to be with you. And I just want to say you know, to the, to the community out there, I have met with Iranian Americans and other campaigns and, and through my life. And while I'm so sorry that you had to leave under this terrible regime that's been going on for so long, the success of Iranian Americans in our country is maybe surpasses any of the other group and to make our country strong with families and just doing so well. So, so I'm happy, just happy to be here to, just to say that, but I am running for president. My background is unusual. I'm a poor kid from Cranston, Rhode Island, who went to Bowdoin college and Harvard business school at the age of 22, helped run a, a big financial company successfully. Uh, and then was about to start a hedge fund when we sold it for $795-85 million. And, but I had a calling to go to Cranston and it went bankrupt. My hometown, 83,000 people. Most people thought I was going to go up to run part of JP Morgan or something back in the day. And I thought service would be good for the city that raised me. It's a long story, but I, but I did. And so uh, Cranston, when I became mayor the day before I was elected, went to the lowest bond rating in the United States of America, was literally borrowing three-month money at tax equivalent rates of 15%. Wow. This was unheard of in America. 
We had 37 days before bankruptcy. No one had declared bankruptcy in America since Bridgeport, Connecticut in 92. So my skill set of putting the right people in, by the way, calling rating agencies, who's the best finance director? He lives in Bridge. He lives in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We drive down with the Auditor General. We bring him to Rhode Island because I've got to get the bond rating up, right? So there's a lot of things that went into it. Along the way, I taught the top finance course at the University of Rhode Island, and the bond rating went up in historic eight notches in three and a half years. Never been done in American history. So I know how to put the good team together, and that's not all I am, though. I'm a financial expert. I've got six children. I'm a homeschooling dad. And the reason you haven't heard about me for eight years is the cancer, stage four cancer in my daughter, Sarah Grace Laffey, who's been given six months to live twice, one day to live once, and is still alive, just graduated from grad school with cancer. And if you read my writings in the campaign, she still edits it. So, <laughs> so, so it's, you know, I have an unusual background. I think I can bring the beer uh, as president of the United States. And and there's many much more about me, but if you look at stevelaffey.com, you can find it. But I also have this ability with the power of my ideas and what's on the website to not get involved in all the nonsense of Marxist this, done Democrats. No, we know the middle class in America has been destroyed on purpose through our public schools, through the trade with China, including what's happening with our enemies in Iran, but also um, with the Federal Reserve. I know how to restore it. The middle class has to be restored to have a vibrant republic. And we've got to do things for our younger children because we, older people, have destroyed their future. Younger people won't get Social Security. They visit financial advisors. They make 100 grand. They're 40. They zero it out. They're not going to get it. This seems financially immoral for our country to operate rate like this. So I have these five programs up on the website, Social Security, how to fix it, take $65 trillion of unfunded liabilities down to zero. In a much greater way, what I did in Cranston on the pension system, I inherited a pension system that had a 3% funding ratio and was scheduled to go to zero. You're, you're talking to the only elected official you can find who over four years' assets went up 500%. So, so this is what I do. I run surpluses. I don't put up with nonsense. And when it comes to the Federal Reserve, I have a specific plan to just concentrate on inflation at zero. And we could go on about the programs, but my candidacy is vastly different. What I lack is the celebrity status of many of the candidates because they've been in office or on TV shows or, in Mr. Biden's case, just hanging around for 47 years. So it's not to put them down or put them up. It's just that I think it's time, like Jimmy Carter in 75, not a good example for Iranian friends, but we had we had Watergate in our country, and he was the right person for the time. We now have a giant financial crisis staring us in the face. It's going to happen, worse than 2008, and we should have a financial crisis manager like me who knows what to do, who to hire, to put in place to solve these problems. That's why I'm running, and that's my skill set. Well, thank you. That's fantastic. I mean, I really like local government experience as a local government guy myself. Um, uh, people don't realize how much it takes to right a wrong ship uh, locally. And all, all of that financial experience, I think, is key because right now, just like it was maybe 20, 30 years ago, it's the economy, yeah. uh, the economy and the middle class and people not being able to afford basic goods and services, runaway inflation, runaway debt. Uh, th that certainly doesn't discriminate against any you know, Iranians or, or Latino, or African-American group. It doesn't matter. We're all affected the same way. Uh, some much, much worse than others. So uh, kind of coming 
at this with fresh perspective, no baggage. Uh, you know, that celebrity status, unfortunately, this country leans heavily towards that celebrity and name recognition. But sometimes as a public administrator, as a public servant, you just need good, sound financial acumen to help the city, the state, the country move forward. Uh, you don't you don't need to, you know, uh, be the celebrity that unfortunately we sometimes gear, uh, lean towards in this country. So that's kind of what made you decide, obviously, with Mayor Buttigieg, you know, getting to where he was with his candidacy. I think that bodes well for a lot of mayors. And there are several candidates uh, in this race uh, that are moving forward. Uh, how do you see advancing your candidacy to that level that you need to to get through the primaries and kind of move ahead? It's a great question. I moved to New Hampshire, basically. I've been here since February. I'm from Rhode Island. I went to school, college in Maine, Bowdoin College. I went to Harvard Business School. Saw a whole host of characters from my days as mayor helping me because it's pretty close. So for me, I didn't go to Iowa. I didn't go to South Carolina. It's the first primary. I've been in New Hampshire hundreds of times in my life. So it's a small place, right? New England. So that's where I am. And it's starting to work. If you go to my Substacks, if you see what's happening on the internet, all of a sudden, real Republicans who come to these meetings are like, hey, this guy's actually got solutions. He's not talking about Democrats being Marxist all day and, and send me money. He's saying, this is what has to happen for people to get out of poverty to the middle class, how we lost the middle class in five great ways to bring it back so that, so that country won't argue all day long. And so I mean, I come from lower middle class. And so I think I'm starting to see, you know, you know, people starting to react in a great way. Uh, and I've been on a number of national shows now. So it has to pick up more. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very well aware I'm running out of time. Um, but I'm a realist. And so if I could, by the, by the way, if I just can change the direction of the country to this candidacy, I can go back and play with my six kids. And I live <laughs> on a farm. I'm financially okay. Uh, you know, by the grace of God, I can do what I want. I'm okay. I just know that there's a bunch of little Steve Laffey's out there in some public school in Detroit, and they're not going to be Steve Laffey. They're not going to get my opportunity because the schools are terrible. They can't be fixed. The public schools can't be fixed. Right. They can't. So that's another thing I say. I'm, I'm way ahead of my time. If you went to my movie, Fixing America, I made a movie called Fixing America in 2011. Go to Amazon or just go to fixingamericamovie.com and watch the trailer that's who I'm running for. People on sides of roads who feel so disconnected, like they did in Cranston when I came home. I'm trying to connect them back. They want to be part of America. They want to put their, they want to like a basketball game, put in their fist and say, I'm in. But they just need to be fair. And they feel right. like it's not fair today. Yeah, you're right. 100% right. And, you know, I got to say, as an immigrant, um, America has always seemed like 50 states holding hands, 50 different countries, right? A United States. It's hard for most of the world to recognize the division in this country, historical division from its inception, uh, which of course runs deep to various, you know, not only geographic, but cultural, uh, religious, uh, orthodoxy, <laughs> however which way. Uh, it's hard for us to come together as one nation. But regardless, the problems you identified, in my opinion, coast to coast, uh, red to blue are universal. Uh, yeah. No one gets a pass, you know, uh, and it's important for us to recognize that. And I think you're right. Your voice as a someone without baggage, uh, that's just a sound economist, you know, a financial manager trying to 
change the conversation is very important in American politics because we hate division. I don't care what party you're from. Uh, it's not good for the country when you just point fingers at the other guy. All of you, you know, when they, like you say, the Republicans say Democrats are trying to destroy America. No, they're not. They just have a different approach. Uh, right. And I don't like, you know, as someone that's been involved in democratic politics, I don't like Democrats accusing Republicans of anything. You need both parties to come together in some form of moderation, constructive conversation, uh, so you can bring the country forward. Um, and I think I think you're on the right path, and I'm so glad that we're talking and you're explaining your candidacy to me. Now, in the five or six minutes we have left, maybe we can turn to Iran. Uh, what you've observed, a lot has happened, obviously, in the 44 years. Uh, it's hard to uh, you know, look at Iran. Sometimes Iran is a campaign issue. Most often it's not. Most Right now, though, so much is happening in Iran. There's a secret Iran deal that's rumored to be uh, brewing. Of course, we recognize in the diaspora, American security interests and, and national security are very, very important. <laughs> the, the Trump documents and the Iran attack plan, I mean, you know, it's not a campaign issue, and yet it is. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, what do you feel you can bring to this conversation to move the needle forward? Well, I think a number of things. One, first of all, just to step back a second. Um, you know, from 1979, we've had this varying degrees of policy with I, what to do about Iran. It got way worse when Obama became president, in my humble opinion. It got better with, with Trump, and I'm running against Trump. So I, you know, listen, I give people credit. The Abraham Accords, getting, uh, making sure that Iran can only get 5% of nuclear capabilities and how they deal with uh developing nuclear weapons. Now it's at 60%. They're very close. The Biden administration seems to be off the rails. But let me give you a couple of examples. One, what we've done in foreign policy in Iraq, forget about even going in there. We needed to stay like we needed to stay in Afghanistan. Because now it seems to me that Iran sort of runs Iraq. And, and that was not what we wanted to have happen, right? So I think there are maybe more Iraqi-funded troops of the Iranian guard than there are even Iraqi soldiers. So while we leave 2,500 soldiers there in that country, we have to be very tough on sanctions and making sure Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. Uh, and that would be going back to at least what Donald Trump was doing. What's happening now is just, to me, insanity. But the other thing that I want to make sure I get across, as president of the United States, I would bring it up all the time in this way. If something happens in communist China. I would say, remember, it's communist China, Syria, Iran, Russia, Venezuela, uniting against America to destroy America. People have to be reminded that Iran's part of this whole axis of evil, in my humble opinion. And when we do that, then people will keep thinking about it that way. We keep going, it's foreign policy, China, Venezuela, oh, the problem with Maduro, Russia. But remember, it's Iranian drones that are killing Ukrainians. And by unleashing at least $2.6 billion now in the Biden administration and maybe $20 billion more, I mean, come on. It's not going to the average guy or lady uh, or the women, of, the women of Iran. It's not going to them. They're being oppressed. So the other thing we can always do, and whether it's bringing back even radio-free Europe or radio-free Iran, it's always talking about how oppressed these people are. And whenever we can, Building up, because to my to my knowledge, Iran has the best chance, I, I say this, the best chance of being America's friend one day because the nature of the people in the country. 
they're not so far Shia that they want to destroy us through some argument. They're more secular in a sense. Not that they don't have the religion. They do. I'm just saying that without the leaders of that country, we could get Iran easier than, say, Russia, I think, to be on our side. So there's a lot of things like that. But we need to be harsh about what's happening in Iran. We cannot let them attack tankers and have no response. They will, and they do, have missiles that can reach us. They will get a bomb if we let them. They will use it. I will tell you one last story of what really scared me one day. I was at a conference in Washington, D.C. A man came in, talked about Iran, and he said, listen, let's be serious about this. The most likely scenario of Iran having a bomb is not a missile goes up in the air. It goes up in the Negev desert, and they don't take responsibility for it, making part of the world uninhabitable. It's like, wow, that makes sense. So altogether, we need to unite everybody against our enemies all the time and all at once, not sporadically this year, we're going to work at Iran. Come on, folks. Let everybody know what's really going on, because those people want to destroy the wonderful life we have, and we can't let them. Thank you for that explanation. And I think the distinction, very important distinction, that the Iranian uh, government is not its people. Uh, and that's a very, very big, important point in the diaspora that often, you know, we get blamed uh, Iranians worldwide uh, by the actions of this government, the repressive government. Um, you know, uh, you know, I wish you great success in your candidacy. I, I really like the conversation and the objective, no baggage, uh, no nonsense approach. Uh, I really think American politics in general, whether it's this election cycle or the last one or the next one, just needs more people like you, Steve, to bring some sanity to the conversation. Because people at the end of the day, maybe the silent majority, not the hard left or the hard right, Silent majority just want a good life. We have so many blessings in this country. You cannot, you really can't overstate it. And I'm not saying this because I, I you know, American flag behind me. I, I grew up here. I was born there. Grew up here. There's just sometimes I feel Americans don't know how good you have it. You really don't. <laughs> uh, and you look at Iran, and you look at look if you, uh, not that you, it can compare to ancient civilization like Iran, but still. Uh, as soon as you let go of being responsible for uh, maintaining your democracy or some form of good government, you lose it and you get what you get like Iran. So we, as um, people that live Americans, we have a responsibility to, for good government, for good leadership, good conversations, so we can move the country forward. Our time is up, but any final words before we sign off? One last thought. We as Americans have the right, not the responsibility, to bring freedom to people around the world who strive to have it. We can't always do it when they when we want it. We can't do it everywhere, every day, every all day long. But that's our right as the beacon of freedom to the world. And in politics, we just got to get back to some kind of normalcy where we can all get along and find solutions so the middle class can thrive. Then, and that's how we unite America. We unite America over bringing back the middle class. Everybody can agree on that and wants it. And I Thank do too. You. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve Laffey, presidential candidate, Republican presidential candidate for the U.S. presidency. Hamatana Girami Khili Marnoon, Kirim Bakhsho, Ejazadarin, Be Ingrisi, Be Tawajjo Shamoberesuni, Vagan, Nemshot, Hajjomeka, Tamame, Harfoye, Ishuno, Amo, Agim, Mikhan, Bishtar, as Kandesia, Steve Laffey, Yad Begirin, Khashmikaram, Be website, Ishun, Steve Laffey.com, Murajekonin, Kibishtar, Agahi Pedakonin, as Kandesia, Ishun. Steve Laffey, thank you so much for your time. But thank you so much. Great.
Thank you.